Today on our show, we are counting down our top 10 comfort viewings. Things comfort. that we watched when we want to feel comfortable, better, good about ourselves, and all of that jazz. Exactly. And not with like jerking off and stuff. Actual comfort. <laughs> Just, you know, comfort. You know what I'm talking about. But you hit it, Polly. <laughs> not, oh, God. <laughs> Welcome to episode 434 of the Countdown Podcast. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. And welcome to the show. We count down stuff in order of awesome. So you don't have to. And today we're mixing mediums. We're talking film and television. Things that we watch that bring us comfort. Things we turn to in trying difficult times. Not, as Wayne has suggested, when he wants a wank. Exactly. Though that is sometimes not very comfortable. Um, ironically, the Batman theme thing that we did, not one of my movies. Ooh, I thought it might be. That was yeah, my guesstimate. Yeah, yeah thought but so. No, but no. That's more okay. of an event. See, comfort, I believe, is more about it doesn't take much from you, including excitement, anticipation, whatever. It's in so fact... Stick it on this background noise. Well, almost. It's almost like a, it's a comfy pillow, you know? You don't... You, it's just... It's, it is in the background and you are not engaging heavily with it. Mm. But it's great and it's comfy. That's why it's an interesting kind of topic. Yeah, it's quite broad in terms of what brings you comfort. Like some of the things on my list are things I watch and I'm like, oh, I just need a, like a, a film equivalent of a warm hug. Mm. And other times, it's exactly what you've said. It's kind of like, I can just stick this on. Or I'm walking past it and now I cannot turn it over, turn right. it off. I'm now drawn in. Exactly. It fills up the empty part of your brain that needs, a, you know, yeah, whatever. And I know some of our fellow podcasters, including Julio from The Contrarians, has talked before about he has something on to watch while he edits the podcast. Obviously, he must have the sound down. I can't do that. I'm like that with drawing, like just, but, you know, it's always whatever I can hear, mm. you know? So, yeah, yeah. I I'm mean. like with music. I can listen to music, not while editing, of course, but while working, I could I'm Me too. documents or oh, whatever. Actually, if it's really banging music, I read, I don't, I can't work because I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, and shit like that. <laughs> and, you know, bobbing my head, but what are you going to do? I get into the groove. But anyway, that's what we're doing. We're doing comfort viewing. So that's going to be the topic of today. No recount because we're all out of sync and recording in weird times. And this particularly applies to. Patreon of the show, wonderful supporter, wonderful contributor, Chris Uni. Chris, mm. you cannot put votes up yourself <laughs> and lead the witnesses with what, uh, and lead the good people of the list with what you want to win. That's not the way it works. <laughs> it so, is, however, how Paul operates. No. <laughs> Wayne, Paul, yeah, back in the early days where I was being funny, sure. Motherfucker. <laughs> These days it's just right there, Wayne, Paul, that's it, they're the votes. Not um, Paul shitting on Jeremy Renner, I think, because you wrote in uh, his options there. <laughs> So you all get your chance to vote for Stu. Don't worry, but that'll be before the next episode of the show because this is such an early <gasps> recording. And at the time of it with the show, episode 433 has only been out for like four days. So there we are. There you go, kids. Enjoy the balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Let's get into it then on the other side of this music queue because I should be able to find some music pretty easily from this list. Our top 10 comfort music. Top 10 Comfort Viewings. <sighs> <laughs> I don't know what that was at the end. That was a sigh of relief. <laughs> That's what it was. Okay, good. Glad you clarified. Wayne, why don't you take us away there with your number 10? We've talked about our sort of coming, how we came at this enough. Let's do this particular list. Sure. So check it out, Paul. One time, not too long ago, I was sicker than D's nuts. I was fucking like completely had some sort of shitty cold. It wasn't the Rona, but it was fucked up. Mm -hmm. And... I spent me a good, hmm, 
five days in bed, right? Wow. Fucked me right in the ass, right? And so I was like, and you know, like when I'm sick, I think the world's going to end, Paul. I never think I'm going to get better again. <laughs> I start to think things like I can't believe I don't appreciate it more when I'm not sick. I said, yeah. I get depressed. I get man flu. All right? And it's like just fucked up. And I, uh, when the end comes, it will not be present. I will not be stoic and fucking, you know, <laughs> noble. Let me tell you. Uh, uh, so When you choose to live your life as a permanent bachelor, you've got <laughs> no one around to check in on you or take care of you. I guess that adds to some of the terror. It's a funny thing. I don't even want anyone to take care of me. I just want to not be shit ass. So anyway. Well, that's probably the same for everyone. I suppose it? you're right. But what happened for me this last time, and I've, I've known this for a little time, there's a TV show with Matt LeBlanc in it called Episodes. Episodes. Uh, it's actually it's about... Episodes, Episodes? No, just Episodes, and then I gave you a reiteration. <laughs> it is, in fact, about Matt LeBlanc, who plays himself, okay? Ostensibly, it's about... It's got Stephen Mangan and Tams and Greg, who you would know, but they, they're um, these very like well-cherished, uh, kind of celebrated British drama writers, and they they win their BAFTA or whatever for their sitcom, and then... This guy from Hollywood says, hey, come over to L.A., do your show with me, and we'll get you a star. And they get Matt LeBlanc. It's completely wrong for them, right? And this is Matt LeBlanc playing himself in a show about him trying to resurrect his career after Joey sucked. So you would think that this sounds like, huh, I don't know what's going on here. It went for about two or three seasons, I think. and um, The whole 22 episodes per season. The whole 22. This is back in the day, right? It's before the... Well, this well, still happens. My, like, my daughter has got right into young Sheldon. <laughs> Really? And there's like 22 episodes a season of that bad boy too. Yeah. The network is still the only way to make money. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, this aired in 2011. So it's, it's been some time. Oh, yeah. Okay? Sure. Wow. 12 it's years. Before Matt LeBlanc got that fat, right? And before Top Gear, Matt LeBlanc. Uh, we tried, tried that on. Was it? Yeah, it was. Was it on? Yeah, yeah, okay. So the show itself is surprisingly and wonderfully vulgar. It's it's because it, it's Joey from Friends. You think it might be a bit no, PG? It's not, right? Titties everywhere. Him cussing. Everyone cussing. It's funny as shit, and it's poking total fun at the Hollywood system. That sounds part. And, that part sounds good. Oh, it's really really good, right? And so I want in my <laughs> in my stupor, I watched every episode of all the seasons just wow. in a row. Blam 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 blam. I even tweeted to Stephen Mangan saying, thanks for making this, it made me feel better. That's how fucking much of a bitch I felt like, Paul. <laughs> so, um, I was dead, I'm surprised. Was this recently or ages ago? Uh, year or two ago. Yeah, year or two ago. Okay. Like, wasn't that so long ago? It wasn't so. dead then. No, it wasn't. It was pre-Musk. Pre-Musk, exactly. So, um, this episode is actually, I do recommend it. It's actually a great, great show. Half an hour long, so you know, they go down easy, and it's uh, funny as fuck. Episodes is one of my comfort viewings, number the, 10. These shows... Very important to take into account now because we're all going to be grasping for things to watch should this strike go on. There's another what I, reason what why this, this topic might be quite useful to people moving you, forward. Oh, yeah. And you know what else? Even if you had 10 lifetimes, you couldn't watch all the shit out there. So I think you wouldn't want to because it's thing like personal preference and taste. Yeah, but I mean, I've, I've got 10 shows I'd like to get to and just never got to it for the last 200 years. One so, of those being what? Well, what, I, what have I recommended that you've totally ignored? I still haven't, I haven't ignored you, but I started watching Barry, but I still, I'm still plugging through them. Uh, what else? I'm trying to hit Succession. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard stories about motherfucking jury duty. Eh. I don't. Have you tried it? Yeah. Is it okay? Watch the first episode. Eh. Okay, so we can. Not back for me, on that. but um, maybe you like it. I doubt it. I don't like this reality shit. It just sounded interesting at the time. Is it reality? I don't know. Sort of. It's that everyone's an actor. It's like the Truman Show. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, for, for one guy who is a re- thinks he's on a real jury. With James Marsden. Yeah, James Marsden's what got me. So, okay. Well, yeah, shit like that. But I could rattle. I mean, if I had thought about it, I could tell you at least 20 that I'm supposed to watch and never did. Okay, fair enough. Gangs of London. 
Sorry. Yes, there's one. Oh, the second season, no one near as good as the first, but still well worth a watch. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've wanted to, so there you go. You're number 10, sir. Thank you. All right, then. Number 10 is a blast for the past, Wayne. This is the weird left field choice on my list that people are going to go, huh? Interesting. And most people don't seem to like this film, which still stuns me to this day. Okay. Because it's just light, breezy, great entertainment with Christian Slater at the height of his powers and Mila Jovovich. <laughs> A very young Mila Jovovich popping Mila up. Mila Jovovich. Yeah. <laughs> for popping up. Uh, it's Cuffs. Cuffs, baby. With uh, Tony Goldwyn as well, briefly in the film. Yes. We saw him last night in Oppenheimer when we saw that film. We did. And yeah, among many stat cars there. Uh, this film, I just find it's just so breezy and fun. And even though a few people die in it and there's some serious themes, he's just coming at it after his sort of moments of grief early in the movie. He's just coming at it with the sort of breeziest, eh, what are you going to do, man? You're just going to do your best, eh? No, it's because he, he, in what, what year? I reckon it's like... 1993. Yeah, 93. Okay, so I remember you and I talking about this. You told me about it because... Maybe got 94, it. actually. I'm not sure. Yeah, you got it out on video home system, VHS. <laughs> and um, I like the way you have to <laughs> use the full acronym. <laughs> so that have been a 92, actually. It was 92, yeah. yeah. So we were still in high school when it happened, right? And I remember you saying to me, it probably was in school, but you said, hey, I saw a movie the other day, and it's one of those ones where the dude talks to the camera, but it works. Yes, fourth right? wall breaking. Fourth wall breaking. And also, Christian Slater, you're right, height Charming of his powers. You know why? Because he had this for He's like he's like mini Jack Nicholson. Yeah, he always say, did. He was sort of shaping to be a new Jack Nicholson for a while there, wasn't he? He was. And then, you know, and look, Broken Arrow, things went well, and then, I don't know. Hard rain. <laughs> Yeah, see, I think I'm that was the start now. of the rot. Yeah, that was it. Well, Heather's was obviously around this time. The too. last thing I saw him in was one of those like docu oh, dramas. He was in Heather's. He was in Heather's. Yeah, yeah. and uh, pump up the volume. The fuck? Oh, okay, I don't know that one. But Heather's was like everyone. Like, yeah, that was the shit. So there you are. Oh well, yeah, Tuffs. just really fun. I find it very funny and quite a clever film. Like you say, that the fourth wall breaking really makes it because Christian Slater sells the shit out of it. So yeah, if you've never seen it, and I think this must be the third or fourth time we've talked about this over the years on the show. You're probably not going to now. It would help still, to be our age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, if you probably put it on now as a 20-year-old, you'd be like, what the fuck is this shit? But You'd have to watch it like a hipster. And go, oh, I see, this is what they were like when back in the old days. Yeah. Things like that. Okay. Not dissimilar to my number nine, Paul. This is a, eh, it's got a stacked cast, as you say, but little known sort of films. Cameron Crowe, one of his first films called Singles. Oh, yeah, okay. And it's got Bridget Fonda, Campbell Scott, Kira Sedgwick, Matt Dillon, Bill Pullman, fucking Eric Stoltz, Jeremy Piven, Tom Skerritt. A lot of people in there. Eddie right? Vedder. Eddie Vedder. Yes, Eddie Vedder is in there. Pearl, Pearl Jam, Jam is in playing in, in this film. That's right. I'm, I know I've spoken about this before, but I'll tell you real quick. Before Friends came out, okay, this film is essentially Friends, but a little harder edge. It's all, you know, 20-somethings searching for love and success, except they're in grunge-era Seattle, not New York. And... You know, it's like this ensemble cast. One's a rock star, one's a, you know, the sort of Monica-ish character. Campbell Scott is a, like a government worker, but he's like, you know, cool. and In my head, yes, I find it very hard to distinguish between the memories of this and Reality Bites. I don't uh, know why. I, I, actually, you're kind of right, because it's very much dealing with the same types of quirky, hipstery sort of 90s teenagers. Mm. But or they're young, all, young people. Sorry, they're not teenagers. They're in their, they're in their mid, mid to early 20s. Uh, but they are negotiating life in the 90s on those terms. So they're all trying to get a career. They're all trying to get, you know, love. Mm. The women trying not to get missed out. The guys are all trying to get laid. It's like, you know, it's... But I think why I watch it and why I, I fall into comfort with it is that, one, that's a lot like my life back then. I kind of know. And, <laughs> <laughs> and 
It was, but to see, um, there's something about 90s movies where it was before HD, it was before, they still shot on film, mm. um, it was fucking 4.3, it wasn't a long, it wasn't that, oh, like, it was 4.3. I'm pretty sure Ooh. it was, oh, I could be wrong, but I think it was, eh, I think it was. No, I must have, no, it was a movie, it was a movie, it must have been 69, so, but the, the candor of the film and the way that the light is in the film, it does, it looks like an old movie, like, it just, now, from now, so... That plus the fact that I loved Bridget Fonda back then, um, and and just kind of the 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 you know rigmarole or whatever of being that age makes me feel as though I'm kind of still that age. I am not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love watching singles, and also Cameron Crowe. Like this is the first time I'd seen like there's a lot of Paul Westerberg type music in here, which was big at the time. He did a he was in a group called The Replacements, which was very big in America back at the time. Anyway, so uh, love the music, love the show. I still gig it, and I still listen to some of the soundtrack. There you go. Singles. Isn't there a fair amount of sort of grunginess in here? Yeah, but it's that Seattle grunge that you like. Yeah. And in fact, so isn't the music kind of more my speed than yours? No. no. The, well, okay. the only music that's like that is the the is Matt Dillon's band, who is called Touch Me, I'm Dick. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's the name of his band. <laughs> so that that part, but the actual soundtrack, no. Okay, fair enough. My number nine is the first TV show on my list, and I've been a little bit a little bit naughty in that I've specified the seasons of the that's show fine, because it goes off. It jumps the shark at a particular point. All of them do, the, Paul. Yeah, just about every TV just show Just about does. everyone. But this one, in a, in a fairly spectacular way, I think mm. it's fair to say. But um, the first season's decent, but really seasons two through six of Red Dwarf <laughs> from that <laughs> oh, yeah. same era of our lives. Sort of, I think that's probably very early 90s or late 80s into about 93, 94. That era of Red Dwarf is fucking awesome. So wait, after season six, did it get expensive? Is that what happened? Because I remember seeing it was once. I was like, "Season seven's okay." Oh God, look at the production value; it's amazing. Season seven's and all okay. All the magic lost. Yeah, well, that's then when. And again, I still don't think the world knows why. But Rob Grant and Doug Naylor, the, the creators of Red parted Dwarf, ways. parted ways and yeah. left. Which one of them with just the right to run the show? Obviously, the other guy was paid out a mint. I think Rob Grant and Doug Naylor went, went on to run it. Yeah, and it's literally half as funny. It's yeah. half as good. Yeah. Even though they got more of a budget and yes, the digital effects improved as we wore into the no, 90s. No, it lost all of its charm when it, it stopped being a BBC production. Because yeah. it was like, it was so cheap looking, but all it had was the laughs. And it had just great characters. It and did. And played by exceptionally in, uh, impressive comedic actors. And so Chris Barry and Craig yeah. Charles and Danny John Jules and Robert Willen. They're all absolutely on song and the way they bounce off each other and then the as i said that writing was so good some of those episodes the inquisitor episode and mr flibble and <laughs> i could watch just about any episode of red dwarf and just pick up and it's like a comfortable pair of shoes for me a pair of slippers you slip my oh this is good this no, is good stuff no back when we were kids everyone paul i say kids 20 somethings there was actual like it's the type of show that actually promoted internal dialogue within the group yeah people would say smeghead um, yeah, and, they created their own swear word and, and got away um, with it. Yeah, shit like it, that was the best thing about it. They got their own swear word. Um, and yeah, it became a very big thing. I saw a movie of this like years ago. They, they released a new season two years ago, three years ago, really? sometime around the start of COVID. So it's still going. It's like Red Dwarf 12 or 13. Really? You know, it's nice that they're still paying these guys who probably never had any bigger roles. Maybe Chris Barry had a bit of other stuff going on, but... To, to keep getting paid. That's nice in that regard, but it's just not... I couldn't even finish the last season I watched. But then we're not talking about the new stuff. We're talking about the old... Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's it. I saw the movies. Oh, my God, the Red Dwarf lost episode. I watched it. I was like, this sucks. No wonder fucking lost it. Yeah. So, anyway. But uh, I understand. It is... Yeah. Look, most of my shit is nostalgic because, let's face it, if, you, if it's new, you haven't had time for it to be comfortable yet. So, there you go. Yeah, I'm looking at my list and there's nothing, nothing in the last 10 years on it. 
Yeah, fair enough. Okay, my number eight, ladies and gentlemen, is a movie called Crazy Stupid Love. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've talked about that one. Yep. Okay, so. Oh, no, and we are going to talk about some stuff here we've talked about before because. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you um, tend to watch stuff that's comfortable and therefore we've seen a lot of times and it rates highly for you. I'll tell you why, okay? So the movie's about. It's got Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell, and basically, Steve Carell is a divorced, like, he's bitter about women, he's complaining, he's being an ass, whatever. Ryan Gosling is a young stud who gets hoes all over the place, and essentially. <laughs> some of them are hoes, Paul. Um, and so. <laughs> <laughs> and he takes um, Steve Carell under his wing, and it becomes one of those things where you have the dude who has knows not, nothing is sort of taught by the master, but the master has his own kind of issues because, you know, who else would do that but someone who is needy and so on and so on and so on. I, myself, am definitely the Steve Carell character, but there was a time <laughs> where I ran... Where you wanted to be. Ryan. Oh, I always want to be Ryan Gosling, <laughs> but I have Ryan Gosling to someone in the past. Not in a very spectacular manner, but there was a dude who was like, this is all going wrong. And I just said, you know, have you ever tried this, this, and this? I didn't take him shopping. I just kind of talked to him about it. But it's for some reason, I think the reason it gives me comfort is because it's so funny to actually see some dude you know, succeeding where I failed. <laughs> and also, it's just fun to watch because it's actually a really great film. And the comedy on it is the type of comedy where they give you, they stop just short of giving you exactly what you need and it's so much better for it. So, great show, crazy, stupid love. And wow. comfortable as hell. And I know, well, I know how much you like that movie because you talk about it a lot. A lot. Totally get it, can't knock it, won't knock it. I like, oh, fine, that movie was fine. Didn't speak to me the way it spoke sure, to you though. Sure, sure. So. Well, you know, you're not broken like me. <laughs> so... <laughs> In that way. In that way. All right, my number eight is, likewise, from The Turn of the Millennium, one of the funniest films I've ever watched. And I still find it hilarious this day. Do you remember when Kevin Smith was making funny films? I barely remember it. It's a long time ago. It's been a good 20 years since he's made more, since he's made a genuinely funny film, which is a real shame. Of course, he continues to produce amazing podcast I love him so I still love him as a person yeah, he cuts a you get a lot of slack from me even though some of his more recent film efforts have been truly truly terrible mm, unfortunately well like Clerks 3 was okay it was better than, <sighs> better than what we'd seen previous the two or three films previous uh, now, we're not here to talk about Kevin Smith we're here to talk about in this case Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back ah yes yes yeah. and oh, for, really? for me this is it's bringing together the whole you know viewers universe all the characters are back you know, so you've everyone that you fell in love with or, or kind of hated through everything from Clerks all the way down to whatever the last one was, was uh, Dogma. Totally pays off. They're like, all there in different ways, shapes or forms. And it, his whole world is kind of, we're revisiting it. It's totally made for fans. You can't watch this film first. You might get a few chuckles out of it, but most of the time you scratch your head going, what the fuck? Yeah. That's continued through, like, even Clerks is very, like, callbacky. But Clerks 3, I mean. But yeah, I, mean, I remember you liking this one. Even, I loved it. Because so I like Chasing much. Amy, right? That was yeah. my favorite yep, of his, right? Enough. But this one here is like sort of bringing it. it I, I can see how if the particular tone of this in its, in its you know, I don't know, nodding and winking and stuff, you particularly liked it. There are lines from this film I still use to this day, <laughs> including, what the fuck is the internet? Yeah, that's class. <laughs> that is actually pretty class. And of course, you're at the end of the film when they're flying around beating the fuck out of everyone who writes shit about them online. <laughs> yeah. A song by, I can't remember who even sings it, how, now, now it's time for everybody to kick some ass or... That's a good song too. But if you want a representation of what this film is all about, mm-hmm. and of course, probably anyone who listens to this show has probably seen it, but uh, here is one of the all-time great moments. Fuck, 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 mother, mother, fuck, mother, mother, fuck, fuck, mother, fuck, mother, fuck, noise, noise, noise. One, two, one, two, three, four, noise, noise, noise. There you go. So that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Smoking weed, drinking beers. Beer. Jason, 
um, Muse. Muse. Probably one of the most annoying people on the planet, but I understand that this absolutely brought out anything that was amusing about him. Well, at this time, he was massively a, a heroin addict. and all. I think yeah. it was heroin or whatever, drug addict. Yeah, he's fucked up. And so for him to have turned his life around is, is really wonderful and great. So hmm. apparently he's been sober now for a long time. And yeah, yes, yeah, so he's got so a kid and everything. Yeah, good on him. And that's that's a nice uh, positive that came out of this. Nice. And probably wouldn't be alive if not for Kevin Smith. I think he's openly said that. No, no, he's definitely said that. Uh, and yeah, no, I'm totally into that. My number seven, seven. is an odd one, Paul. You'd think this movie would not actually comfort anyone, but I don't know why it does for me. It's L.A. Confidential. Mm, okay. Yeah. So L.A. Confidential has got Russell Crowe and Guy Pearce and Danny DeVito and Kevin Spacey and James Cromwell and a bunch of other folks in it. It is a set in the, I want to say 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a fucking... Possibly El- 40s, but yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, is it Elmore Leonard or is it yeah. Elroy, James Elroy? James Elroy. Sorry. James Elroy. James Elroy. This is so stupid and weird, okay? But the fact that in the 50s, in LA, when it's clearly hot, everyone's still wearing these thick 50s, wool suits. Right. <laughs> They're wearing suits and ties and stuff because it's the 50s. But it's a hot day, and you can tell these guys are killing themselves. But this was so cool, this film. And it was not supposed to be. And I think when I finally saw it, and because we were Aussies, we knew, like, because at the time, Guy Pierce, no one knew who he was. Russell Crowe, almost the same, man. Mm, almost no, the same. Russell Crowe had some... Had some Films on, including like Romper Stumper. And yeah, but like Dozzy films and shit like yeah. that, man. Like, it, like for Hollywood to have these two guys in there, it was like holy was shit, a big risk. right? And the director was actually saying that he goes, "I want unknowns in this, right?" And so the film itself and the whole, you know, Danny DeVito giving the voiceover and well, my dear reader, it's hush hush on the QT, and it, I don't know why it is that it really, really comforts yeah, okay. me. Yep. And it's just some horrible shit goes on in this film, but for some reason it gives it. To, I don't know. It's like a thing. I almost can't explain it, but. It's you know, but you like to stick it on, like to give it's, it a watch. I've, I've watched it like fifteen times, man. Oh easily. wow, because it's just on. I've only ever watched it once. Yeah, really? Mm. Oh man, I've seen snippets it, yeah. of it again here and there. No, it's the whole thing is great. Like, um, yeah, I love the. I don't know. Plus I remember it's got wanting, Kim Basinger, which is at the time one of your faves. Ah, look, I didn't even think about that, but I'm sure that's a factor. Yeah, I'll I even I wanted to wear glasses for a while because I thought Guy Pearce looked cool in him. <laughs> What can I say? I think Guy Pearce at that stage of life looked pretty cool in pretty much anything. So Oh, that's true. He was, he was popular. 1997's LA Confidential Wayne's number seven. Yeah. My number seven is another TV show. And some might say, ooh, low on your list, Paul. Expect this to be higher. But here's the thing, and probably time to admit this. I don't re-watch a lot of stuff. There's too much new stuff to consume, which I don't want to waste my time if I, can, Paul and I differ. if I can put it that way yeah. so I'm always out in the new which is why I, I never have trouble with the top 10 last year where Wayne's Whereas scrambling I'm the same shit over and over yeah, yeah. oh what I've got to watch seven films this week damn it if you just yep. had to watch one film a week Wayne it wouldn't be a completely. problem completely beyond the one that we review of course for the podcast so if I go back to shows like Red Dwarf mm. or this one or indeed the one or two other shows that are on, on my list it means they are they must be really special please go on Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> you yes. can put this on anytime yeah, yeah, and especially especially some episodes, but now tell me, get past the first season, which is a bit rough. Let's yeah. be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. And this show was smart enough, even though the final seasons weren't as good after she died and came back. They still had a lot of merit to them, and still, I it, was it into ended, a man. Ended on a on a pretty relative high as far as a seven year TV show went. Yes, and in fact, um, because all shows that go well, shows that go this long for that many seasons, they always have an arc. Do you have favorite seasons or favorite eras of the Buffy? Oh, yeah, for that sure. That you tend to put on to make you comfortable? Yeah, look, season three and season four, probably season three in particular is my favorite. Who was the big bad in season three? The mayor. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
And, and Faith came in and, and that's when we introduced to Wesley, although he was a prick in, in that era yeah, yeah. of the show. And which was the one with the three nerds as the bad guys? Uh, season six. Six. Yeah, you know. Uh, but yeah, but by then we had we used to do watch parties, everyone. We used to, back before it was a thing, we would gather at someone's house to watch Buffy on network TV. Yeah, with adverts. There was no fucking downloading. But that was then. And then I bought all the box set on DVD. I don't even know if they've been released on Blu-ray, but um, I held on to them Definitely pretty Definitely not. They were one of the only things that survived the DVD cull recently <laughs> that I had. So I still own them. Still got them all there. Can whack them on. It's rare that I'll whack them on, but every so often you walk past a TV and not so much anymore the streaming era, but oh, hang on, here's a bit of a because of course YouTube follows all this shit. Although I've got a new computer now, it's going to wipe all that. But <laughs> oh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, little hidden video. Yeah, I watched that. I just love those characters, and we all know Joss Whedon is now a notarized bit of a piece of shit. But back in those days, he was revered around these parts. You know what? He uh, not to be a Whedon apologist, but he did all this shit back then. In the 90s, uh, being a cunt was almost a modus operandi for most people. <laughs> it's how they got things done. And then for you to rag on him like 30, 20 years later or whatever. Oh, but some of the stuff was happening recently in Justice League and that's stuff. That's because that whiny fucking metal guy. Anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> Look, he probably like, was a cunt. The fact he know. has disappeared off face of the earth ever since tells you that yeah, there but, must be some No, merit. it tells you that we're in this era now where you can't say shit. That's what mm. it tells you. So there you go. <laughs> If there was an easy solution or an easy defense and it wasn't true, then I'm sure he would have come out with it. Yeah, yeah. Eh, what are you going to do? Anyway, anyway, I'm not going to stop watching Buffy because he's that way. No, no, we've already said this. Like, the work is the work. So, I mean, um, I, I, this completely is on, like, on like with you. That's Buffy. Paul is always about Buffy. He's always been about Buffy. Have. And, 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 the, and the spin-off Angel as well, which I Angel's great, loved. bro. Angel's great. Um, so there we go. Awesome. My cool. seven. Now, this is the difference between me and Paul, everyone. My number six is, in fact, also a TV show, but it's Californication. Mm. Now, Californication has got... Watched it once. Watched it. I think I saw every episode. Certainly jumped the shark towards the end, but it was enjoyable enough. Uh, yeah, I would probably... Uh, yeah, I'd probably agree with you on that. But it's about... Somewhere around the time Tim Minchin appeared. Oh, look, I didn't mind that at all, honestly. But um, uh, Californication is about Fox Mulder, who um, <laughs> is trying to juggle his writing career, his relationship with his daughter and his ex-girlfriend ex wife, as well as his appetite for chicks in L.A. Now... I think there's something to be said for when you live in WA, where we are, and it's basically the second sunniest city behind Honolulu, I've been told. Is that right? Yeah, although how could it be more sunny than the Sahara Desert? But who knows, right? When you watch stuff that's sunny, it kind of, I don't know, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and like stuff said in LA is often like kind of, eh, you know, it's, it's, it's good to watch. So every time I watch this film and a show, and, and, and there's actually an episode of it that every time me and Paul go on a mandate, Right, which is less and less these days, but like, unfortunately, the odd times it's like, hey man, you want to chill, hang out, and fucking like Friday or Saturday night? Yeah, cool, man. I ain't got nothing on. Word, we go out, right? Because we do the podcast instead. We do do that. Yeah, that's what it is, man. Yeah. This podcast has robbed us of mandates. Although yeah. the mandates wouldn't happen very often, let's face it. No, that's true. But I always try and recreate an episode of Californication called <laughs> Dogtown. Right? And I actually say to Paul, "Hey, can we do the California? We can if you like." And it's basically. David Duchovny's character takes his friend Hank, who's also bald. So in this scenario, Paul is David Duchovny and I'm the bald Hank. Although and the irony in this one is, <laughs> who's going to be looking to pick up? No, well, let me tell you, no. it ain't David Duchovny. Bro, bro night is about no, dudes. No, <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. So And they go out on a bender, but they both end up having, like, they go to the bookstores and yeah, he sees someone else's book that he doesn't like and he farts on the book. And I wouldn't do that necessarily, but... <laughs> 
and this part I don't try and recreate. What, what they, a night. They get held up in a liquor store and they almost die and shit. So now they decide to, they think we're drinking before, we're going to drink now. And then they both wake up in the car somewhere <laughs> near the beach, right? We don't, we don't want to go that way, but I want the same Probably spirit not. of that night. Right. You know, that, that kind of thing. So that's why I love Californication for many reasons. Fair enough. But there you are. Californication, total comfort watch. If uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a me show, then Californication is totally <laughs> a you show. My number six is Cheers. Oh, Cheers. Um, cheers. Uh, when's the last time you saw it? Oh, I still, every so often, man. I really? I happily put it on. I bought a whole bunch of seasons on. on they, I did lose these ones in the DVD cull, but I had four or five seasons on DVD. And yeah? Probably up till, uh, five, maybe up till the time of the podcast. I'd still whack it on every so often and just watch some of my favorite episodes. That show, and again, back in the day, we used to have street network TV on. And Cheers, like a lot of these shows, just on regularly at sort of times where it was appropriate to have it on. You could, 10 o'clock at night, oh, Cheers episode. Dude, that was how I discovered Cheers back when we were in high school. I and you put me onto it. Yeah, I kind of put Paul yeah. onto it. And then we started really liking Cheers. And like, but, you know, I've seen it recently. Not recently. Oh, shit, five years ago, maybe, yeah. right? And I remember going, well, we've discussed this. We've said that Cheers is humor from a simpler time. Yeah, sure. Because you can see every joke coming. Yes, we've seen all of them. But you can still kind of see the joke coming. We still maintain it as funny, and it's still great to watch. It's great character-driven comedy. Let me ask you this. So if, every time that you know Clifford Clavin starts to ramble on about something, and was uh, yeah, you know Norm and his troubles with his wife, or he's talking yeah. it down, and then Frasier and Lilith, and of course Woody, and yeah, erudite, all this sort of stuff. Let me ask you this though: Is Frasier better than Cheers? I didn't find it be better than Cheers. It's obviously a more sophisticated comedy. It is a more sophisticated comedy. I'll tell you something else. You can tell it's done by the same guy, James Burrows, because. Even if you watch Frasier now, a lot of them are in it like an episode of Three's Company where it's just about some confusion mm-hmm. that happened, right? And then that's what happened. Like, but like, I, I, I love Kelsey Grammer's acting so much. Like, I love his character so much that I always, I'll turn to watch Frasier over Cheers. Fair enough. Cheers is still the shit. So it's the original. It's pretty, it's pretty much yeah, what Very much nostalgia-based, but just... Uh, totally. I mean, it's the idea of going to a place where everyone knows your name and then in this case where you're watching a show where you know everyone there and... We always try to have a bar like that. We always say, is there anywhere we can go where everyone will like us? And the answer is no. No, oh, well, and now, <laughs> just, now it's just too sad. Now you just be that old drunken guy in the corner. Oh, exactly. No one actually aims to be Norm, but you know. <laughs> exactly. All right. What are you up got for number five? My number five is, well, look, I know you're not supposed to like this show anyone, before anyone, okay? The, 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 the creative of this show has been constantly defending all of his old episodes, and I frankly think it's wrong. The, mo- the show is called Entourage. Oh, okay. Right. All right Entourage is about... Vince, who was a Hollywood, up and coming Hollywood star, and his his crew of motherfucking like hangers on, right? Yep. And it's based a, on Mark Wahlberg. Based right? on Mark Wahlberg, although apparently Heath Ledger lived this exact life. Did he really? Yes, it's actually been told that he had almost exactly the same amount of friends and did the very same thing. Brought all of his boys from Australia to fucking Hollywood, and for a number of years there, they just painted the fucking town red. Right. I love that. I, like, cause Heath Ledger's from Perth, so you know, so he's like our guy. But this <laughs> show here is among all the what you would now consider sexist like jokes, but back then it was hilarious because it was a while ago. Um, I still say there were some genuinely great storylines. Ari Gold is still the only guy I can enjoy watching in a show that is a complete asshole. And I don't like him, but I like watching him. And to me, that's actually the that's the goal. If you're playing any character, you have to just be engaging, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So I don't have to like you, but I have to like watching you. And that's why I like this show. Again, Sunshine Everywhere, set in L.A., Right. Yes, it's a lot of dream fulfillment with these guys going around with the whole... I actually don't like that part of it, to be honest with you. What I like more is the camaraderie and the sort of jokes about stuff and then the fact that they're kind of... Just watching people go around Hollywood doing this mega deal type shit is always interesting to me. You know what would put me off from that ever being a comfort show for me? Drama. 
I find drama very hard to watch. I mean, he's played very well by Kevin Dillon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's such a prick and he's such an arrogant asshole. And he's so, st- I mean, every so often he, he remembers himself and he's there for his brother and yeah. whatever else. But most of the time, he's just hanging on the edges. He's a bit like a, yeah. I don't know, a Sean Gunn. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sure Sean Gunn's not an asshole, Bob. No, well, I don't like, know. Hanging around the edges. Or how about Clint Howard gets cast in every Ron Howard movie somewhere? Does he? Yeah. You know, J.J. Um, Abrams casts Greg Grumman uh, in every episode. He's Greenberg? Greg. Gronberg, Gronberg, yeah. yes, Gronberg, yeah, because it's his lucky charm, right? right? But, you know, same deal, right? Although I can't begrudge the guy, you know? If someone was your, f- let's say if you were Steven Spielberg, yeah, yeah, of course. and you put my dick in every movie, I'd be like, yeah, turn I up. I wouldn't put your dick in put my dick in a movie, man. So- <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> Not without a very large warning attached to it. <laughs> and a very large uh, uh, viewfinder. Yeah. Um, so- <laughs> well, zoom lens, so I should say. Yeah, no, that's it. I still like the show. And I've put them on in recent times and find myself just letting them run because... It's funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. My number five, Back to Films, for moi, is one of my all-time favorite films. It is a film which I was one of the first people to discover well before the podcast. And I say discover in the terms of I was one of the only people I'd known who'd seen it for a long, long time. The first encounter, we call and it. And was championing it to, to anyone who was of a like mind to myself. I'm talking about Edgar Wright's debut film because I got into Spaced well before yeah, yeah. else did. Yeah, yeah. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead is the perfect blend of comedy and zombie stuff, all of which is my jam. Is this in your top 10 of all time? Very close. Yeah. It's in my top 15 for sure. Definitely, definitely. It's, it's so your film though. I cannot wait to show it to my daughter, hopefully she will. Oh my God, don't yeah. do that. Yeah. I have to wait because she's not old enough yet. Well, here's the thing though. I don't know if you're going to like it as much unless you've seen all the zombie films. Are you going to show her those? Eh, we'll see. Yeah, you know, right. you you might come the other way though, because this is a more palatable version of a zombie film. You know, it's got laughs and a romantic subplot. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I didn't see any of the zombies films, and I still like this one. So, so fantastic! Not yeah, wouldn't get all the references and all the callbacks and homages, but you can still really appreciate the film for what it is, which is a superbly crafted, very very clever zombie rom com. Zom com, got it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. No, I know you love this show. Simon Pegg and, and Nick Frost. Nick Frost is better in Hot Fuzz but I don't think Simon Pegg's been any better than in this movie. Ah, yes. Okay. Well, my number five, and pretty much everything from Five Up, if you thought it was weird reasoning for me like in the other things, this is head-scratchingly weird. (laughs) But there's a theme, and that theme is... Sunshine. No, old. I'm old. I, it's it's old. It's an old movie. Well, not old, old movie, but 90s movie. Okay. <laughs> so I guess it's not too dissimilar. Well, 30 years ago. Yeah. Potentially. Uh, to- I want to say, yeah, actually, I'm not sure when this movie was. Disclosure. Do you I remember? It's about 30 years ago. About 30 years ago? How is this a comfort film? Dude, what? I love it. So check God it out. Damn. Everyone, Disclosure has got Michael Douglas in it and um, Demi Moore and Donna Sutherland and some other folks. Now, it is ostensibly. It is a film. It was written by Michael Crichton, and the boy can write, uh, or at least someone can develop a screenplay from his t- from his books. And it's about uh, this tech company sort of head guy. He's a, he's a computer specialist, but he's a computer specialist in the nineties, which means he thought HTML was the code. And he was sued for sexual harassment by a former lover turned boss, who's Demi Moore, and she actually kind of raped him, which is always very interesting. Um, and <laughs> that threatened. <laughs> Well, the thing about the show is, it's like he goes, he's like, she's, she basically claims that he did it, and he defends himself, going, "Dude, she did it. Look at these scratches on my chest." And he's like, "Is it even possible for a woman to rape a man?" The answer is yes. And so, he <laughs> <laughs> I think we should stop making the R word jokes. But I just, the, way, the way you put that's always very interesting. How is it now? Okay. Well, for the guy, I mean, look, I don't know. Look, I mean, 
like they were in the South Park episode where <laughs> Butters nice. is being abused. Yeah. Nice. Nice. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but the actual thing that comforts me about this film, because that whole thing is actually just good drama, but the undercurrent of the, of the film is that he works in a tech company in the 90s. So they're talking about VR. And the VR unit he's in is this fucking cage with glowing <laughs> yeah. lights. And he's, it's pathetically bad. Everything looks horrendous, and the, the the big gambit of the film is, oh my god, this company is so huge and so technologically massive that they don't make phone calls, they make video calls. <laughs> you can't handle the truth! Which they need an entire infrastructure to do, whereas you and I can do it on my watch. So, that's why, that and, and all of the other, like, the hard drive CD-ROMs that they're talking about, it's just charming, man! It's charming! And his mobile phone, mobile phone is cool. This, this, the nostalgia <laughs> is heavy on this film, <laughs> But does that cover it? It does cover it. It's exactly the same for mine. But my, and that's what I think is going on here. That's 29 years ago, that film. Shit on my no, asshole. This one I'm about to talk about is even older than that. It goes back into the 80s. And this film makes me feel young. This film is like about your potential. And Bring. someone who's already gotten to their potential, but then he's dragging along a mate who really needs his help. Hmm. Talking Ferris Bueller's day off. Oh, man. Ferris Bueller's is the chisel. This is one of the most... Eminently rewatchable films I think I've ever seen. I owned it in every format up to 4K. I haven't gotten 4K. I don't even know if it's been released in 4K. But John Hughes firing on yeah. all cylinders. Matthew Broderick, to this day, he's never been in a better role. He's never been better in a film. So much so that they just did a callback advert around this thing that played at a Super Bowl 3, 4, 5, whatever really? how many years ago that it was. So he still runs in that sort of Ferris Bueller's shadow, if you will. Everybody's yeah. cool. The, the, the cameos are great. I don't know what it is because on you know paper, it is. it's you just about a, a popular kid at school who decides not going to school today, takes his best mate and his girlfriend for a road trip, basically a trip to Chicago, and he runs around having adventures by lying his ass off. But... While trying to escape his the, the, the principal who's trying to get him expelled from the school. But isn't that the best thing ever? It is so fucking fun. Like the idea that you could... Because no one wants to go to school when you're whatever, or, you know, however old he is. I guess he's in year 11 or whatever. 12, I think. The equivalent He'd of the last senior, year high school. Yeah. Right? So... Uh, yeah, well, maybe he's not. Maybe he's in one year younger. Isn't there some line to even the seniors love him? Well, he's driving, so yeah, maybe he's like he's yeah. I don't know. He must be like whatever the one before the last year is. But he skips school. He has an elaborate system, including an eighties hi-fi, <laughs> which he can use to make it sound like he's snoring in the room, and a pulley system to make it look like he's in bed. All this sort of shit. Then he goes out, gets his hot girlfriend, saves or helps his depressed friend, yep. procures the Ferrari. Right, which is completely unfucking like, because it's like the the press friend's gonna get his ass kicked by his dad, mm-hmm. but he does it anyway. So we just overlook that shit because it's the eighties. Drive his well, ass. In the end, it's his friend standing up to his dad, even though it's in his head that, that ends up destroying the Ferrari. So now he's gonna have to answer to it because he's like, "Yeah, you like this car more than me." And he starts kicking it while they they've got the odometer going yeah, backwards. Yeah, yeah. He was always going to like get in trouble though because he said the car the dad reads the odometer every day. Well, that's why they were trying to wind it back. Does anyone with any knowledge knows that shit doesn't work. <laughs> In, in the film language, I think it was working until yeah, okay. obviously this great big accident happens. Well, but then also he's lying to his folks about how sick he is. Mm-hmm. Then he gets on a float and then he's in the middle of the play. And I don't know about you, but when we were young, a thing was going to the city on a weekend yeah. with your friends was a big deal. We go see a town, movie, town, we school town, yeah. and we go get like fucking fast food, then we get that, and then we go to Time Zone, which is an arcade, yep. and shit like that. And it was a great thing. So I get why it became like, you know, fond for you, Paul. Yes, Absolutely. For sure. One of my absolute most rewatched films ever. Oh, totally. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is my number four. Wayne, what's your number? Is it four? Is that four? It is my number four. 
And my number four is actually, weirdly, another uh, Michael... That Michael was my number four. So this would be your number three. No, this is my number four. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Wait What's a going minute. on wrong? Wait a minute. Shit. Yes, it is my number three. <laughs> Which means I have got to drop one of these bad boys. <laughs> have you once again put 11 on your list? It may have happened, Paul. I don't All really right. understand. I wonder if we can do this together. <laughs> now, numbers... <laughs> fuck you, fuck ball. I understand. Yeah, I know. Suck on all the dicks. All the way through to maybe 10. And I know they go higher than that. Maybe Quite a bit higher, know, actually. Maybe just eat all the dicks. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> My number three, folks. Is a film that, uh, yes, you have heard from me before. And it's one of those inexplicable ones that people go, what the hell, Aruzu? Okay. It's The Saint. Oh, God. Dude. This is the, my most rewatchable film of all time, okay? And once again, we're talking about 90s <sighs> tech here, okay? Oh, my God. It's about Val Kilmer reprising his role as, sorry, a role as Simon Templar, the saint, who basically is a dude who's, he just does shit. Like, he's a little kind of, he's not really a spy, but he does jobs for people. Now, I love this film so much because... I love the idea of Val Kilmer being some dude in Europe who pulls jobs and heists and stuff. I love his Nokia 9000 communicator phone, <laughs> which is the first phone, which is analog, and he pops it open and it's got a keyboard. Like, he has to swivel it open. It's huge, okay? Hilarious. I love the idea of being so a ghost. Cock at that point. <laughs> I love the idea of 90s cool tech and nailing Elizabeth Shue. I like all of the... Um, Not in that order. <laughs> But itself, as a movie, is pure charm for some reason for me. If you kind of look at it, and the only bad thing about it is the bad guy is a dickhead. Like, the, the henchman bad guy looks like a tool. That's the only bad thing about That's it. That's the only bad thing. Everything else is fucking pure charm and nostalgia, man. I am the Game <laughs> of Thrones gif. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> I have watched The Saint. I'm going to guess 30 times. I'm going to guess 30 times. Somewhere in the very, very sad <laughs> annals of the So I Married a Movie Geek mo- podcast with <laughs> Justin and Chris Winters. Oh, yeah. We did this movie on there. And, uh, really? My memory is that they weren't any more favorable towards film than I was. So if you are a Saint fan out there, and I know there's a couple of you who've come to the server who shamefully put your hand up to, to support Wayne and this. Please do so again. Bravely. I'm fascinated. It's fact so great, this film. You might be the so only great. person that holds a torch for the saint. I might be. And if you think about it, it only makes the comfort more comfortable. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is one size fits only me. Well, I can't, it's it's kind of like no one else understands, but I understand, Val. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Philip Noyce. Philip Noyce. Philip Noyce. See? I, yeah, he's one of Not those Not so Noyce from Noyce. Oh, good one. Uh, Not really. <laughs> All right, well, my number three is probably the harshest entry on my list, but I compared see. to some of yours, it's uh, <laughs> delightful, really. Because it's got a scene-stealing Alan Rickman and it's got a wise-cracking John McClane. I'm talking Die Hard. Die Hard is your number Die Hard two? is my number three. 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 My favourite Christmas film of all time. Stick it on every year. I've watched it every single year since the beginning of the dawn of time or... 1990 when it came out in VHS, whichever one came first. No. Probably 1998, but anyway. Oh, yeah, it's definitely. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Again, now. owned it on every format, and I own it in a glorious 4K. It's so I just love every element of this movie from the start when he's talking to Argyle, as follows, of course, John McClane, who's a New York cop who comes to visit his separated wife in LA on Christmas Eve. There's an office party, and then terrorists invade. Did you and, say 98? Uh, this is 88, right? 88, yeah. I said yeah, 88, yeah, 88, yeah. I think I said 88. I don't know, but anyway, my apologies. Definitely 88. Yes, and it goes from there with Alan Rickman playing one of the absolute greatest villains of all time. And yeah, 
how much fun is this movie watching John McClane slowly pick off the terrorists one by one and gets a bit of help from the outside from Reginald Vell Johnson and he's <laughs> Family in Matters Family Matters guy <laughs> and, and yeah look you've seen the film you don't need me to explain it anymore it Did, is friggin' awesome. So can we just assume this is your favorite of the diehards? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, now, where did two come after this? Way down? Two is third best. Right. So then Behind three? Vo- Vengeance. So three. You like yeah. the Sam Jackson one? One, three, two, four, and then, I don't know, several daylights. No, 4.0. 4.0 was good with Timothy Oliphant. I like all the first four films and could happily watch them. And then like Sam Worthington or whoever turned... No, who is it? No, it's Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney, yeah, sorry. Franchise killer himself, yeah. Jai Courtney. <laughs> you think the DCEU failed because of <laughs> ridiculous decisions and making Superman dark and all the rest. No, no, no. It failed because it cast Jai Courtney in Suicide Squad. <laughs> he will kill everything quicker than fucking some really, really pathological, nasty he virus. Was even, he was in Jack Reacher and it fucked itself. He no. was in fucking Terminator, Dark Fate, uh, Genesis, sorry. And we got one more film out of it, so it was all but dead. Ah, yes. He's okay. got a perfect track record, that man. <laughs> yeah, he must have made a mozza from like fucking all these films that he was in. Yeah, so. well, yeah, he's probably, probably crying himself to sleep on a, mo- on a mountain of money every yeah, night. Yeah, which, so. you know, you, you could be worse. There you go. Die Hard's my number three. Wayne, what's your number two? My number two is really quick. Everyone, it's Sex in the City, and I'm tired of being sorry for it. What? Sex in the City is... Let me tell you something, right? We talked about a late-night surprise viewing that makes you comfortable. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes... All right, every night, I'm an insomniac, okay? I can't go to sleep before midnight. When I was young, I couldn't go to sleep before 1.30. And even now, it's really, really tough for me to hit an 11.30 bedtime. Oh, yeah. right? but impossible for me, too. Right. So... As, as a youngster, there were many things that were sort of the, the most like comforting. The a slim second of this one is Dave Letterman. It used to be on Dave Letterman. It's not mm-hmm. on anymore, so fine. But like when it was, I remember one night, I was like, Sex in the Shitty. Sex in the City is the most easy watch ever. You know why? Because it's not Pollyanna. Some, it sounds like, oh, it's a Sex in the City girly film. It's not. There's so much cussing, nudity, and fucking around that it's hilarious, okay? But, but it's got horse face in it. Jess, Sarah Jessica Parker was an attractive woman in her time. Striking distance with Bruce Willis, for example. There you go. She even married Ferris Bueller, Paul. Yeah, I know, but no, she married Matthew Broderick. Ferris Bueller wouldn't settle for that. <laughs> Look, I, I I feel bad that everyone shits on her because I honestly think she did very well for herself. But well, she, also, clearly, she's again. She, isn't she back? Are you watching and just all that or whatever it is? Uh, no, I'm not. And no. and just like that. Uh, no, I haven't. I saw one of it and I went, Nah, this is not that. So no. But the Sex and the City itself, and I'm talking probably the What's first there, three, is this, four. Is seasons. that season two of that? Yeah, it's in season two now. Right. And so, yeah, which is... And I saw one episode of it and I went, uh, this is not what I've signed up for, so I'm out and I won't watch it again. But this show here, again, 90s. Again, you know, New York. I don't know. It was There was something great about it and I love Mr. Big. I thought he was like uh, the superlative male type character. And now I know I don't like the new show. <laughs> <laughs> I think he bought the farm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I, it is, it's absolutely that. And, uh, you know. Also, I read. I honestly have never seen. Honestly, I probably. I don't think I've ever seen a whole episode of Sex in the City. What? No. Oh, you're missing out, bro. I've it's hilarious. That, yeah, this was on at the time when you walked past it on TV and had a partner around this time who watched a bit of it, but even she wasn't slavish about it. So. Yeah, um, I think I'm a bigger girl than any woman you've dated. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, but yes, there you are. I have the perfect one for that. Hold on. Please. Ooh. That's a bingo. 
I don't know that that's perfect or... <laughs> what are you talking about, Willis? I'm agreeing. <laughs> oh, okay. 100%. Yeah, and if, if, if Dave Letterman was still on and you could actually get to those episodes, you, can actually, you can't actually rewatch anyway. Dave Letterman because you know, that would be the, in this spot. But, but failing that, it's Sex in the City. Sex in the City, wow. An absolute shocker. At least in terms of shockingly surprising right? from Wayne at number two. But I'm sure that has won you many, many... Uh, no, it didn't. I fucking points. lost this one like a motherfucker. Like you wouldn't believe it. Don't think so. Don't think so. My number two is... Well, I've talked about it so much. It was probably my number one most watched, rewatched film or very close to it. It is, for me, again, that perfect blend of comedy and fantasy and whimsical nature. But there's also torture and true love and death and sword fighting and fencing and giants and... Hmm. I'm talking the Princess Bride. Oh, the Princess Bride still holds up, you reckon? Oh, does it ever? Hmm. And do you like the fact that Ka- um, that um, Wesley was in the new Mission Impossible film? <laughs> it was barely in it. Yes, sure. Yeah, but I mean, it was nice to see him again. He's exactly. still getting work. He's still in bit bit roles here and there. I think he's fine. And again, he's never been better than as the Dread Pirate Roberts in. That is a cult Wesley. classic now, isn't oh. it? It's most definitely. Yeah, I've been struggling with this idea of what's a cult classic like because it was pretty successful, I think, at the time. The Princess Bride. I don't know that. It, well, you know what? We this this is um, now many years ago, listeners, but it was it was released on film, like in a theater, like, and we went, "Oh my god, it's going to be in the movies!" And we went to a place called the Lumiere, which actually played. Oh, you mean after after, after it was already re-released? Like, yeah. You mean yeah, okay, re-released or they had a print and they just put it on there. We watched it, and there was an extra like two or three minutes of the film where where Wesley was getting tortured. There's a whole Billy Crystal scene, and we were like, <gasps> and this is before you know you could just dial up the internet and look at a yeah, cut scene or whatever, you know. whatever else. Um, and so, yeah, this was a movie of our childhood. Paul could recite it by heart. Certainly, the f- up till the end of the sword fight, I much to my chagrin because I kept <laughs> kicking him and shit. Um, but yes, it was a, uh, it was yeah. I look, it's I, I perfect breast in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be ashamed to damage yours. <laughs> Plus, we were so into that kind of shit back in the day. We once played AD&D, everyone. Mm, fantasy stuff was... I mean, back in the 80s, that was the last time that genre was was big at all. Oh, We just Lord had Dungeons and Dragons come back. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, but then, what if other than that, and, and shit-ass versions of made by Uwe Boll, we've not seen Thrones, anything. Game of Thrones, Yeah, well, then Game of Thrones comes later on. But, like, other yeah. than... For 30 years, you don't see a lot of fantasy films at, at the movies. We had Dungeons and Dragons this year, and that's it. Honor Among Thieves. Which I love, by the way. So we'll hear know. about that in Wayne's <laughs> top 10 of the year. Most death. All right. Let's hear your list of back, Wayne, and then what is your number one? And somehow, please manage to not count 11. Obviously, it's going to be difficult. 10 episodes, 9 singles, 3, oh, sorry, <laughs> 8, <laughs> crazy stupid love. What's difficult? 7, LA Confidential, 6, Californication, 5, Disclosure, 4, <laughs> no shit, 5, Entourage, 4, Disclosure, 3, The Saint. <laughs> 434 goes oh, at this, shit. ladies and gentlemen. Two sex in the city and one is, of course, friends. What? Where's Seinfeld? Every fucking time I come over, me... you'll watch, you've got Seinfeld on one screen, if not YouTube. Okay, so here's the thing about Seinfeld, all right? Almost, it's, it's, an, it's an honorable mention. Okay. But it doesn't... I'm stunned it didn't get Seinfeld, there. you have to sort of pay attention to. Friends, you can just let it wash over you. Okay, because okay. right. Seinfeld is more like it's actually a more cerebral show, whereas Friends is pure comfort. Like literally, if I'm in a country where people don't speak English, and I'm in a hotel and I turn Friends on, I feel like I'm at home again. I feel comfortable again. Okay, okay. I guess that's that's definition of comfort viewing then. Exactly, and I'll just I because I talk about Friends all the time. All I'll do is tell you some interesting things about Friends that you may not know. One, Joey, originally written as a cunt. 
Then Matt, Matt, Matt LeBlanc said, well, if he's a cunt, why would everyone be friends with him? And they rewrote the character. Boom. Smart insight. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Courtney Cox wanted to play, was originally signed to play Rachel. Okay. But then she asked to play Monica after reading the parts. And let's see. John Favreau was offered the, the role of Chandler. He was offered that role and he turned it down. Then he came back as Pete Becker, Monica's boyfriend. And then he made fucking Iron Man. Um, <laughs> he did all right. He did all right, I think. Um, and Tom Selleck, when he made his onset appearances... He got such standing ovations, whoops and hollers, and people shitting their, their pants that all of his entrances were unusable on film. They had to go back when everyone was out and reshoot them. Really? How popular is that mustachioed P.I. on the high road to China. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> While being quickly down under. Not bad. Got a couple <laughs> in there. Things, shows that no one will have remembered, but I remember. He's also an innocent man. Okay, there you go. <laughs> the trifecta, ladies and gentlemen. Because <laughs> I would have just been Magnum P.I.ing it. Uh, and that's it. So, uh, Paulie. All right. There we are. Friends. Again, I'm not stunned by friends being in there because that would have made sense. You're stunned by the omission of the Seinfeld. Omission of Seinfeld. I okay. My number 10, Cuffs. Nine, Red Dwarf Seasons. Two through six. Eight, Jay and Silent Bob. Strike Back. Seven, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Six, Cheers. Five, Sean of the Dead. Ferris Bueller's Day Off at number four. Die Hard number three. The Princess Bride at number two. And my number one, with a bullet. First thing I thought of when we came up with this topic is the only show that I've watched from beginning to end every single episode in order sequentially. It's Scrubs. Oh, of course it is. Bloody and hell. And then they had a podcast came out and we had JD and Turkleton coming together to watch the episode and, re- and reminisce about it. And I listened to two whole seasons of that show as well before I got a little bored of it because that's how much I loved that TV show. I didn't even need to rewatch the episodes because I've seen them enough times that I, well, at least three or four times each episode that I can just know exactly what they're talking about when they're talking about it. But you, of course, stopped watching Scrubs after it turned to shit, yes? Look, I'm talking Scrubs, not Scrubs, med school. Okay. That's All where right. I jumped the shark. Okay. That was during the writer's strike. That was Bill Lawrence who literally said, I'm just trying to give my friends a job. Absolutely. And what a good more guy. power to him because if you're an actor, forget about it. Yeah, and that was, and now we've got the writers and the actor's strike, so that wouldn't be happening right now, but it was nice of him to do that. So Very nice of him to do that. Because JD jumped out of it after a while, didn't he? JD was in it for like the first episode, handover. I can't. I think barely anyone was in it. Maybe Turkleton hung around. I think John, Johnny C was in it. Yeah, but I don't even know if he was in every episode. So really? it was really terrible. Anyway, but that's beside the point. <laughs> the actual literal show of Scrubs <laughs> is perfection. It's so much fun. It's got some heartache in there as well. It's just their back and forth, particularly JD and Turk, which who I love, but also the back and forth. Johnny C is so good in this show as Mr. Cox. And then even Kelso, you know, who is on paper the, the villain of the show, but in actual fact, most of the time he's got a pretty good reason for what he's doing. And that's this, this show is cleverer than you give it credit for. Uh, when I say you, I mean the general public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually like pretty much every character on there. And Scrubs got me through a very, very dark period in my life where I literally remember like I was hoarding the episodes going, I can't watch too much of this because I need this. I need this show. Oh my God, really? So, you know, back in... 15, 18 years ago. Wow. So I, that's why I love it so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that now, completely and understand. And as opposed to it being associated with that time in my life, it's like, oh, that's, it's the nice thing that got me through. Yeah, let's do this again. Let's watch this again. It was, the, it was the spark in the darkness, mm. perhaps. Yes. Ah, look at that. Hence okay. my number one, Scrubs. That's Alice Wayne. Very quickly, any honorable mentions that you've got? Sure. Any uh, Daniel Craig Bond, I will watch. Okay. Justified, Suits, Veep. And, uh, you know, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Okay. I've just got three other films here. I've got The Untouchables. Love me some Untouchables. Oh, yeah. Back to the Future, the first one. That showed to me, again, Very that good. nostalgia time. Very good. And then probably the, what would be the harshest one on my list would be Predator. I can stick that film on. 
I actually, I understand it. why. It, it, the camaraderie at the start, and then the kind of being hunted and picked off one by one, and the, and the <laughs> towards the Paul end. Paul still finds that comforting somehow. I love <laughs> watching that shit. No, yeah. it gives you good memories, like of of your life at that time. Mm. So yeah, that's Alice. What about yours? We wrap up every episode of the show in a segment that we call the Pop Ten. Talk about Pop Ten. Talk about Pop Ten. Kicking off with Chris Sutherland, who has Hot Fuzz, Fellowship of the Ring, Spirited Away, oh, and video games. Video games never judge. <laughs> what is that? Oh, he's just saying video games. Oh, video games yeah, in general. Playing, yeah, yeah, playing yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. Stu from the Stu World Order podcast. I hope you checked out last week's episode. Last week? No, two weeks ago now. Episode with Stu uh, coming on to do our top 10 action comedies. And the, yes, the vote will be out very shortly, Stu. Any Friday the 13th. So there you go. Any Halloween and Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Guard said Charmed. Harry Potter and the New Girl. The New Girl is the shit. Goes down easy. I never watched Harry Potter, so can't comment on that one. Antoine, most of these people are wonderful patrons of the show as well. Thank you for your support. Number three, Hawthorne's 2013-2015 Premiership 3 Pete. Oh, God. <laughs> that one pain me to read. Okay. The Godfather Trilogy and The Office US have done the full run maybe five times. That's huge. Wow. Ooh. Big fan. Smiley Somani, mate to us, says, sticking with movies, and the first one that come to mind are all animated. Coraline, number three, number two, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and number one, Howl's Moving Castle. To be honest, could be any, of, any number of the Studio Ghibli movies. They're all so good. Damn, I didn't know that. Kia Crow said Mean Girls. Oh, yeah, good one. Bridesmaids and The Office again. Another vote for the US version there. Brilliant. Samuel Joseph said Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> Vindication. I'm surprised that wasn't on your list, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> I only watched it recently, so I hasn't had that time okay. to, to grow. Okay. House at number two and number one, The Office. American, because we all know it's better. Shots fired from lots, Samuel. Lots of folks say that. Stephen Burns had started with a classic Wayneish what the fuck pick. Don't mess with the Zoan. Oh wow! Even I don't. Wow. Yeah, okay. Okay. Bouncing back to something slightly more acceptable with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Very nice. Mm-hmm. And pulling a Bradbury on the final lap. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Hot damn! Well done, sir. <laughs> Michael Thompson at Back to the Future Part Two, Harry Potter Six, and X Two. So very specific there on those particular Part Two. Eh? You know, Part Two was great. Part Two was good. Yep, fair enough. Brad Hargis from the Cinema Guys podcast had, of course, Psycho Gorman is my top comfort film. Other than that, pretty much any horror movie will soothe me to the core. You are all freaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brad's a message for you. Mina Harker, aka Dan, said Sneakers, which is very much not an action movie. I love Sneakers. <laughs> I love Sneakers. Totally an action film. <laughs> Number two, ready or not, almost horror comedies from the last decade. Number one, any 80s horror, the cheesier, the better. Very nice there. Hmm. Nick Orton said Red Dwarf up to season 6 currently struggling through season 12 again and it's not comfortable at all Faulty Towers and Dirty Harry if it comes up I end up watching it to the end the original Dirty Harry Hmm. wow there you go now I think this might be a new contributor to the show so thank you Angus Haberfield three Pirates of the Caribbean two not the best in the series but my personal Uh favourite number two Fantastic Mr. Fox second vote for that one number one will always be the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory from 1971 Probably why I despise the Tim Burton remake so much. Ah. Wonder how then you feel, Angus, about the Wonka film that's coming out in this year. With Is that so? Looks absolutely fucking horrendous. It's a musical. So I am out. Oh, so Paul's in straight I away. am Straight out. in. And lastly, Gareth Westwood, once from the Open All Powers podcast. Gareth, good to hear from you. He said, number three, Die Hard. Woo! Star Wars, A New Hope at number two. And number one, Independence Day. Really? Yeah. Wow. There you oh, go. You, that's your vote. There okay. you go. Thank you so much to everyone who got back to us. And there was a heap of people who got back in a very short notice. I only had about 24 hours for this one to be up there. So thank you so much. Sorry I couldn't get through them all. 
starting to end this particular show, Wayne, how do the good folk get in touch with us around the show or indeed topics that they want to feed back on? Google The Countdown Podcast, find our socials and send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com or check out our website, getting rebranded still, thecountdownpodcast.com. Ooh, is that, can people buy the new logo stuff yet? Oh, sorry, yeah. Go to countdownmerch.com and you will see a... The, our new logo on mm-hmm. all of our merch, right. um, and I'm gonna we're gonna relaunch it on all of our other assets very very soon. Uh, it's time so then to furnish some people with prizes for the live stream. That's right. Event. So I'll be getting in touch with you for your addresses very shortly. Thank you to everyone there again. Uh, well, a couple months ago, there listened and, and pledged their money to such a great great cause. And uh, that's it. Really, the only thing I'll add for me is Podbean. Follow us there, like the show there, and uh, yeah, if you haven't left a, a five star review, please do that too, because we need every little bit of help we can get as an independent podcaster. I'm sure you understand. Indeed. And that's it from us today. I haven't decided what the topic for episode 435 is going to be yet, so we'll be back in the Facebook listening community. Let you know what that is in a due course. And uh, I'll be back from Melbourne by the time this one drops. So uh, hopefully, I had a good trip. And hello to me. Uh, great. One more words, my friend. We'll catch you very shortly. Thank you so much for joining us again today. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been the Soundboard. You know me. Oh, I God. see a pair of thick, weighty breasts, and all logic flies out the window. Wayne watching Californication. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> see ya. Breasts can't be thick. <laughs> <laughs>